0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and it might be March Madness for college basketball right now, but we got our own March Magic going on in college softball right now. So let's just dive right in. However you got here today, whether on an audio podcast platform like Apple, Spotify, etc., or watching on YouTube, thank you. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't yet. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Click the link in our bio on both profiles to purchase merch or go to shop.believe.com. There are three different shirts available covering our bases from last week. Safer out from a couple weeks back. And then the third one, here's the reveal for Catch You Soon for those on video. Everyone else, check it out on those links. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Tori Tyson. So she is just one of two guests that we've had on this show three times. So, you know, it's pretty special. Then we'll end things with the file tip of the week where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, believe, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And for us today, where things start in the softball world is I just want to talk about exceptional women. First, you know, it is Women's History Month, but I do think just a constant theme all year round on this show is just exceptional women and what women are capable of. I think, you know, last week we heard Nicole Mendez talking about her teammates at OU and with Team Mexico and Athletes Unlimited and how amazing they are. Cindy Ball Malone literally called the UCF Knights that she's coaching amazing women that just want to keep pushing for more, even when they've already found success. Lisa Fernandez talked about Dot Richardson and how she was a role model and inspiration and just some of the world-class teammates that she's had in her world-class career. And then Coach Alistair at Stanford talking about the Stanford kids that want to pursue greatness in softball and in school and how amazing those women are. And then Peyton St. George even talking about her coach, Marissa Young, and how she wanted to emulate how she was just this bulldog in the circle and how much she learned from her. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that. Like, yes, softball is a women-led sport. So it's no surprise that there are so many amazing women. But let's not take it for granted either. And second, another thing that we shouldn't take for granted is winning. The game doesn't know who's supposed to win. I think we've had some interesting reminders about this recently. Plenty of ranked teams have stumbled recently. This past weekend, Cal run-ruled UCLA. Nobody had that on their bingo card this year for 2023, but there it is. And maybe it speaks to the level that the conference has. Texas State beat Alabama and Texas. Wisconsin beat Alabama. Central Arkansas beat Arkansas. And then so did Texas A&M twice. Louisville beat Florida. Georgia Tech beat Auburn. Like The list just continues to go on. And I would say even if, let's say, the higher-ranked team won a conference series, a lot of them still dropped a game. So just for some examples, in the Pac-12, UCLA dropped that game to Cal. Oregon did take a game from Washington, even though they lost that series. And then ASU took the last game from Arizona, even though they lost that series as well. And then the ACC, again, Louisville took one from Duke when they went up against each other. And then UNC took one from Virginia Tech. It shows how hard it is to sweep and how much it hurts to get swept also. So it's just a reminder that every game matters. And right now, the longest active winning streak is 20, and it happens to be owned by Stanford, and it includes eight consecutive shutouts. They had to consistently show up each day for that. Just for context around it, you know, after preseason ended, they have a staff ERA of 1.11. They have a team fielding percentage of 986 and a 320 team batting average. Okay, and guess what their reward is for that consistency? They have to keep it up. They have to keep showing up. There's still nothing guaranteed, even less so, right, at this point. So the consistency piece, it's incredibly hard, but it's undeniably impactful. And it's only even more true when it comes to conference play. So third, that is what I want to talk about as well, is that the second season is here. I always say that there are three seasons within a season, preseason, conference, and postseason. The preseason portion is pretty much in the books, and now it's conference play, And it hits different, let's be honest. You go from a lot of neutral site tournament games to true enemy territory with really familiar foes. Like you know them well, but they also know you really well. And I think these rivalries just automatically amplify the energy. You know, it's three games against the same team. It just requires more adjustments that you have to make. It might be less travel and less games that you're playing per weekend, maybe just a three game series instead of, you know, five to six but there's more to manage emotionally and mentally in a lot of ways. So just a few of the matchups that I'm looking forward to this weekend for the pack, Washington, UCLA. I think that's going to be an incredible matchup and fun to watch in the SEC. There's Tennessee and LSU ACC, Duke and UNC. Like I said, UNC stole a game last weekend. So they might be a little bit interesting going up against the blue Devils. And then even some non-conference games with looking at the big 12 and the big 10, UCF playing Oklahoma State. It's almost like this Big 12 preview that we're getting before the Knights join officially. And then, you know, they're going to play ASU as well. And Northwestern and Auburn will go up against each other. So I think all those matchups are going to be fun to watch. And that's why we love softball, because of matchups like that. And they're just the most fun. So to bring it home, I mentioned last week that I recorded the podcast episode in Vegas, where I was for... 24 hours, literally in and out, to go to the Mountain West Women's Basketball Conference Tournament. In case you want to know how it turned out, because I know we all love a good story, especially with women in sports. So one of my best friends, Lindy LaRock, she's a Stanford basketball alum. She's now the head coach at UNLV. They won. They won the championship, and they actually are back-to-back regular season and tournament champions. literally did not lose a single conference game this year. Not a single one. Regular season, tournament, doesn't matter. She's coach of the year in the conference, again, not the first time. And now they're going dancing in the NCAA tournament. But I think something that's even more telling than maybe some of those resume bullet points is the praise that she gets from her players, her staff, and just the people around her. I think this part's important. Is We talk a lot about on the show the person, not just the coach, not just the player. You know, her assistant coach posted on social media after they won that championship, like, great coach, even better person. Then you see players like Senior Essence Booker, who's on the team in her post-game interview. She talked about how Lindy really turned the program around. And she said, she's my coach, but she's also my best friend. And she didn't mean it. She continued to go on and say, like, it's not a basic social way that she means that. She meant in a way that has allowed them to communicate and be successful. And then also just her friends, you know, me and four other bridesmaids of hers all flew in to support and wore custom t-shirts that said lean with it, Lorac with it. And I'm still very proud of that group for coming up with that, that it's just amazing. And, you know, I think you don't do that unless it's for someone who's worth it. And she also, by the way, like no big deal has a newborn, just a four month old. And it's her first kid she's ever had. And she was on the court, I think eight days or so later after giving birth. That was not the plan originally, (laughs) But she was already back just because she wanted to be. And I don't want to put any pressure on other mothers to do that. Do what's best for you, for the baby, and for your family, always. I'm just in awe of what women are even capable of. And I think the celebration of women goes beyond softball, and it goes beyond sports. And someone who knows exactly what it's like to be a badass mom and leader in sports is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is the head softball coach at Howard Recently announced head coach of the new pro team, the Texas Smoke, Nebraska alum and Skylar's mom, Tori Tyson. Tori, you're back. I love it. I love it here. I clearly love it here. Thanks for having me. I know you. Okay, I told you this before too, and I went back and double checked. You're one of two people who have been on here three times, and that's it.
0: I'm in good company.
1: I'm in good company. I'm loving it. (laughs) Do you know? Could you guess? If not, I'll just tell you who the other one is. Is it Natasha? It is. She yep.
0: <laughs> I'm in great company and I feel like was it Vic Hayward who was the third?
1: Yes. So she's only been on twice though. So now okay. like you you and Natasha are top spot together. Wow. The elite
0: company. Someone's right? not worthy. It's definitely me.
1: <laughs> I couldn't disagree more with that. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. No, but it's like a yearly thing and I love it. I always look forward to our our conversations and there's been, I feel like there's so much that happens each year too. So it's like, there's plenty to talk about every time we chat. And I'm super excited, especially to dig into just, you know, more of your coach's journey specifically. And, you know, speaking of great company, I have to bring up your family when it comes to that too. And I know you talked about how your dad, Marty, has put this sort of fuel in you or this fire in you as a coach. And I would love to know, like, how, how so?
0: I just feel like coming up, especially coming up behind Dina, I don't think people realize that like Dina was the ideal oldest child in every way. Like she listened. I was always like, got to explore it on my own and, um, and even in the coaching journeys, Dean, I was like a, I talked back so much, and like it wasn't even that I was trying to be disrespectful. I really always had an opinion, um, but when I think about like my journey through softball and my relationship with my father, um, it's always just it's grown. Like I was on the road with him for most of my life, you know, like he was my travel ball dad, um, but I watched how he handled people and just how he carried himself, um, and how he created a culture that was, was ours, you know, and it felt so exclusive to us. And so when I became a head coach, um, that was just so naturally like in me, um, to want to lead that way and to have passion and not be embarrassed or let people make you feel bad about your passion. Um, and I watched how much he loved on us. Like, as as students and as humans and, you know, as athletes. And um, I've made that a central piece of my program. And so when you grow up with your coach named dad, you know, you get to see you're going to naturally become what they are. Um, And I'm so grateful Marty Tyson was like that example for me. Well,
1: and he's just A longtime legend, too. Like, he's coached so many great people, your family included, but then even, like, the Rachel Garcia's. And, like, like I don't know if people realize how many people that he's coached, (laughs) like, in the travel ball world with the Corona Angels. And it's awesome. And I know we've talked about sort of that program, just in that organization, and how he's he's just done so much for the game. And we've talked about, too, I remember we related a little bit on having, like, the dad coach when you're a player and, like, the funny tensions that come along with that. But, like, as yeah. a coach, like you said, you feel like you emulate him now, which is awesome. Like, what are the biggest yeah. things you've taken from him, you think?
0: Um, even stuff that I don't intentionally have, like, have. Like, you know, if you don't know my dad, like, it, he really is, like, so funny. And it's, like, these quick little one-liners, um, you know? And, like, only we can get it or understand. And I definitely – I'm just a lot more monotone. Um, but like definitely a quick one-liner, um, kind of, kind of gal, like the humor of it all. Um, so definitely that. And I think that, uh, my dad never missed a coachable moment. Um, there was never a moment where it was like, oh, that's not important. Um, everything was important for us at a very young age. And so I'm not going to like, as a coach, sometimes I grab a player and I'm like, man, I was like getting in trouble for this at like 10, you know, like, being held accountable for it. And like, you're sometimes getting 18 year olds that are like, oh, this never mattered, you know, like where we threw the ball, how we wore our uniform. And I think that that's what people don't get. It was like typically under my dad, you were always kind of in trouble for controllable things at a very young age. We were like demanded to control the controllables. Mm-hmm. And just respect for the game and how we wore our uniform. Um, and so I definitely am a stickler for those things. Um, because in my head, I'm like, I was getting held accountable for this at nine. At, 20, 20, 21, like the same, right? Like <laughs> so definitely I would say those two things. And just like, you know, my dad, he was the first like man to write or boy to write me a handwritten letter. And he was probably that for so many of me and my teammates coming up. And he always gave us a handwritten card. um, So we knew like how he valued us as human beings and as people um, before we dug into like seasons. And it's something that I do every year. And like, you know, I have this huge roster, so I catch myself getting cramps. But I remember what those did for me and especially people who are just bought in, right? You have those and you understand like to listen to the, the message, you know, and not the tone because you know how this person feels about you. Um, and so it's definitely something I've taken on with me.
1: That is such a good distinction the message versus the tone. Oh my gosh. Because like I've talked to people before, people who know who Phil Bruder is, was my travel ball coach. And he would yell at you a compliment, the same tone that he would yell, you know, some sort of like instruction or like (laughs) frustration. And you're like, you had to listen to what he was saying, not the way he was saying it, you know, so I completely relate to that 100%. You've also talked to me before about how amazing of a grandparent your dad is and also your mom yeah. and I've heard you say before too that like Skyler's like kind of the one in charge you know she's kind of your head coach <laughs> in a way so what do you yeah. mean by that with her Skyler first
0: off has no fear of Marty Tyson and so it's so funny when she's like out at the field or even like that's her popo and like I'm like you think he's a joke and she goes he is he's so funny like she doesn't Like this just happened last week. Like it's, it's actually hilarious. Um, And so I often also like Popo would never have a player doing that. Like I kind of get judged because she spent the summer with my dad. Um, He was the primary caregiver when I coached the bandits. Um, She didn't come with me until like the last, the latter of the summer. And so she was like Marty's assistant with the Corona angels, 14 and under. And so in her head, like, it's this was his standard. And if my athletes aren't performing at this standard she's put in her head, um, she'll call me out on it. Um, it's hilarious. Skylar will call me out on most things. Um, she does not read the room like when I'm frustrated. You know, like when you're the head, when you're mad, everyone knows you're mad and there's yeah. like this respect level of like, let's just leave her alone. Skylar does not read that, does not care to read that. Um, because for her, like I'm ahead too. Um and it it is like she is an excellent manager because she keeps things in perspective for me and she's about the only person that can do that consistently. Like, you know, we were driving home from UVA and I was driving back and forth cause it was her, she had a playoff game and, you know, we, we lost, we've lost some heartbreakers this year, young, and we're early in the season. And I'm like, you know, I get her unsolicited advice and she's just like, you know, just got to keep working. They've got to start communicating better. And I'm like looking at this little nine-year-old, um just go off like just so deep and like you know we gotta communicate better they gotta keep they just don't hustle and just like this such a such a coach's daughter and a coach's granddaughter um and it shows but yeah it is Skyler's world she very much thinks he's associate head coach of the bison um and her platform was being Marty's sidekick uh for for a summer
1: well yeah the fact that she even understands like that level of communication like who even you know what I mean like she's so young and she not only understands it but can apply it like in yeah. in life in certain situations maybe she should all she should be our life coach for everyone like maybe I, we should I all.
0: promise everyone can use the Skylar pep talk I I mean this and she does it with my assistant coaches that little thing has like definitely done this before it's actually insane
1: I mean amazing I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) And I love seeing you guys make history. Recently, first time playing – you played at UCLA, and it was the first time UCLA played in HBCU in a scheduled home game at Easton Stadium like that. But it was awesome because Marty, your mom, Skylar, everyone was out there for the first pitch too. And just what a moment. Like how emotional – how do you keep it in check for the rest of the game after a moment um, like that? I,
0: I don't know how I did. Um, the competitor in me definitely stuck in, but I cried a lot that night. And to be honest, when we landed, it, it really kind of hit me when I had a day just to process everything and like, just what a moment for my family and a moment for my minority athletes to see a group of minority women, a team of all minority women walking into a stadium, Easton Stadium, where like I used to line up as a little kid and looking for Lisa's autograph, and even as long as, like, Tara Henry's and all of them, like, you know, like, such a fan, and to lead a team in there, and Lisa Fernandez, be across, and Kelly I, just these, like, the the same people I went to that stadium to get their autographs, Um, it was surreal, it was so emotional for me, I cried to my team before we went in, because I'm not into, like, acting like moments aren't big. Like, I don't think that's living authentically. And I wanted to be present, and I wanted them to realize what an honor. Um, UCLA has earned that right for us to feel like it was an honor to walk into Easton Stadium, um, you know, a home that Sue Inc. was built, and be able to walk in there and lead a team in there um, is beyond my wildest dreams. Like it still doesn't feel real life. Like I'm looking at pictures and, you know, I obviously had been there a couple of times coaching at Cal State Fullerton, but there was nothing like leading my women into that stadium and seeing so many little girls and minority little girls in the stance and even adults that don't know a lot about HBCU sports and um, you know, HBCU softball, and being able to change the narrative of like, we can play softball and yes, we're underfunded and all of these things, but our girls being their authentic selves in the dugout and being at third base and seeing that, you know, like HBCUs have soul and they have spirit and their music and them doing that and taking UCLA seven innings, which like, let's be honest, like that's not what anyone went there for. Um, And there was a moment where I looked up and like, gosh, I'm such a crybaby now, FYI. But I remember looking up at my dad. He was like on top of first base dugout. And he was just like beaming, like such a proud father. And it like instantly gave me a flashback to when like I threw the game of my life and kind of confirmed that I was going to get an offer from Nebraska. And that same you know marty tyson like side smile and he just couldn't believe it like when it was like headed to the seventh he couldn't believe it you know and just moments of and free and my mom is always going to be like my number one cheerleader and she was just up there had it rocking and at one point skylar comes out with like this leg kick and um she tries to keep her emotions in tech but she is in check but she's she's definitely gotten like just full-blown obnoxious and she's like doing like <laughs> leg kicks when we're getting out of the innings and it was just amazing I could go on but it it was a pinch me moment and a core memory something I will never ever forget and yeah I'm, I was just honored and so proud to be a Tyson so proud to be the head coach of Howard University and I'm so grateful UCLA set up that environment they let us do BP on the field and you got to really think about this like I, you know with my kids I'm like you're doing BP where Natasha Watley was warming up at and all the greats that that ran through there, so it was amazing.
1: I like. I have the chills. I feel like this happens every time I talk to you, though. Honestly, <laughs> like it's like I talk to you, and it's like, wow, what? An, like I'm inspired to to do whatever it was that I was not inspired to do before our conversation. <laughs> you know, big or small, and I love it. But also, you said it too. You took UCLA seven innings. You only lost four to nothing. Mm-hmm. Like that. I I know it's a loss, and obviously, all the competitors, especially as a coach, it's like you don't want to lose, duh but that's a big deal especially with how good they are they're the number 2 team in the country yeah. and the fact that you all did that feels like a win in itself
0: yeah i i think that where the win comes in is i i wish everyone knew the journey of my athletes and um just being an hbcu athlete in general right it comes with so many things like people just immediately with an assumption that you don't know or you're not capable and a lot of it is that they're just underfunded my girls get after it um, I, I, I'm a trainer. I, I, I love to train this game. I love to coach this game. I'm never looking for a ready-made project. Like, give me the challenge. Give me somebody that has the one in the wheel. And I want to train softball. Um, I, I want that to continue to be like my best skill is I'm mm-hmm. a student of this game and I'm going to share this game um, until they're tired, until my athletes are tired of hearing it about the pace that's demanded to play this game. And so for them, they don't know what they don't know. So it is me trying to let them know the pace that is demanded to play this game. A lot of them didn't come from travel ball organizations that they were playing these kids that go on to Oklahoma and UCLA. And so for them to rise to the occasion and show up and take my word for it of like the pace that was demanded and them get and see, right. Like that they could do it for me. That was the proudest moment and watching them shine. I mean, our infielders just made some big time plays that I think everyone was surprised they made. Mia and my freshman going in there and through some big time pitches against some aggressive hitters. Um, it, it just made me proud because, as a leader, when you don't get to always put your athletes in those kind of situations, you spend a lot of your time convincing them. And then they think you're just crazy when you're like, that's not going to get it done because you know, like, you've been in there. And so I am so grateful that they got to see it. Um, there's a play in particular, Anna Vines hits a ground ball, goes off my second baseman's leg, and she's standing on second. And I loved it because, like, they seen it. Like, now you believe me. They will take the next base with the ball in front of you. Um, oh, yeah. And I know that we were going to be better for it. And they were, right, instantly learned. So it was just so cool for so many reasons. And it. it I don't – I'm not – I'm a competitor, but you're absolutely right. Like, a lot of people did not come there expecting that. And I had challenged my athletes that we have to represent, take Howard out, all HBCUs on this platform. And they rose to that occasion, and I was so proud.
1: And how do you balance that pressure of feeling like you're representing a group that's <clears throat> important to you, the the community that you're a part of with also just playing the game. Like, I feel like it's it'd be hard to balance both of those things.
0: Well, it one, it's something we talk about um, in the recruiting process that committing here is is the small, like the easiest part about all of it. Um, mm-hmm. What an opportunity to have pressure to represent a group bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are going to go through their careers, even at a big school where you're not really standing on something bigger than you. And wow, like what, a, what an opportunity, what a blessing um, that you get to take the field and represent uh, a whole ethnic group um, or a whole group of minority student athletes and young, you know what I mean, young women and, young little, gr- and little girls that want to be where you are. And so you manage it by embracing it. Like you embrace it because um, for what it is, it is an opportunity. Um, and not everybody is, is, is given that opportunity. Um, and again, I think that there's, it's a matter of our serving. Serving is a huge part of our program. They have a duty to serve. They have a duty to show up for that. Um, and so again, you, you manage it by changing your perspective. Um, it can eat you alive and it can consume you um, or you can embrace it. And that was essentially the challenge that I gave them is that they didn't have to play perfect softball out out there. I didn't ask them to be outside of their body or perfect humans. I asked them to embrace the moment and be where their feet were. Um, and that that's a choice. That's not pressure. Um, and, and they did an excellent job of that.
1: That is really, really well put. Really well put. And I've heard you say before, too, that you can't teach guts right? Mm -hmm. Like your team had guts that they showed that and they have been showing that not just against UCLA, but it came out as well at Easton Stadium. So, so how do you, you're, you're sitting there, you're teaching the controllables, control the controllables. I think that makes total sense because there's so few Mm -hmm. things that we feel like we can control in this game. But then also it's like, there is a bit of that intangible, like little bit that you have to have as well to be a competitor. How do you talk to your players about guts and, and the grind?
0: Um, I I don't, I don't train it. And I tell them that, that we're always going to have a disconnect where your guts aren't, aren't present. Cause there's just, every coach has their strength and their weakness. I don't do a good job of instilling guts in you. I don't. Um, I I don't believe it's a trait of mine that I'm really good at. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to empower you to be present in moments um, and to just, man, just ball out. And, And I, and I downgrade myself. I didn't, when uh, Coach Revell flipped me to the outfield my my junior year in Nebraska, I had slapped most of my life. And when I did bad, it was like a joke and it was for high school. And she, I'm, we're in the Big 12 and the Big 12 was wicked. Um, and she's like, go to the outfield. And I had a had a had a summer to figure it all out. And all I could rely on was guts, man. Like I'm going to just go in there, get on time and try to be a tough out um, if, if, if I do nothing else. You know what I'm saying? And so I also walk it like I wasn't some superstar player, but like how you carry yourself and how you step into those situations, like that's who you are. Um, And I, and I wanted my brand to be that, like, I was going to lose, right? I was going to lose out on some pitches. I'm going up against Kilani Ricks. Like, you know, like, uh, like, what am I doing? Ricketts, like I'm going up against Ricketts and no idea what this ball is doing, but like, I'll be damned if I'm going to go up there and not swing it. Like, I'm going to get a swing off. I'm going to take a hack. Um, and so I, I I try to just, I try to feed that kind of life into them. Um, and the ones, right, you get a Mia. Mia is never going to fail. Mia Gonzalez will never fail over a lack of wanting this ball. And I will go to war behind that every single time. Like, I give me that kind of athlete. Um, and I, I feel like I'm very open and transparent about this. So when they get here... I'm not gonna like tame that fire of I just want you to be gutsy. Like I I never lied about that. I'm I'm very pretty, I'm pretty public about it. Um, So it is a demand of mine and we will only collide where your guts don't arrive. I always let them know that. Like that's the only place. Like if you're just being gutsy and going all out, I'll train you from there. But you gotta be willing to get to that space first.
1: Mm. It makes a lot of sense. And I like that you... Have said before, too, even after the UCLA game, you're like, don't let this record fool you, yeah.
0: you know, because just
1: just looking at W's and L's. Right. And then just looking yeah. at maybe certain stats, whatever, doesn't tell the whole story. And this is kind yeah. of what you're talking about, which is like the guts and really just showing up yeah. and being able to compete, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. And I think that's so important to acknowledge. Yeah
0: we we've had like I said a CBU loss against you know and they took down some power fives that went down to the last out the reality is is that the last time this program was on the road they're getting run ruled by these teams and so my dad has always made me keep this realistic thing is you can't win games you ain't never been in and so Mm -hmm. the first thing you got to do is you got to be in them you can't go from getting just straight up dubbed to thinking like you're gonna flip it and so um the only thing that's hurt right is i made a harder schedule and i was intentional about that um because i'm i'm not i don't want to be like a meack bully the next step for this program is i want us to get a big time win um and the next time we're at a regional is i want to finish a ball game i want to start a game and i want to finish a ball game and i want to upset somebody and we're not going to do that by me continuing to chase ego because i think we have like three back-to-back winning records and yeah it felt great it felt good to read about right but it felt like empty i i think that this program that's the next thing on the on the docket um is a big time win against a high quality team and i have to keep exposing them to that so my ego is in flames right now right like when i look at the record um but i look at those games man and you're talking about an inning you're talking about an inning or you know, uh, I, you look at Tennessee, who straight dubbed us to start the season, and then three weeks later, we're playing the number two team in the nation, and we're losing 4 nut no- for nothing, three runs in the first. Um, again, one I'm gonna that, I'm gonna coach, I'm gonna continue to coach, and I'm gonna continue to put coachable kids on the field. Um, and one of the one of these times um, in these next couple years, whenever it's going to be, you're gonna see a big time dub in the column. And it's going to be off the fruits of this labor,
1: right? Right. That's the thing too. Is it people? You know, you see an upset, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, we're shocked." It's like mm, this upset didn't happen that day. It really started way before that. With putting the game
0: we work. run was so triggering for me. They had been like knocking on the door at these regionals, and like, did you not think one of these times they're going to bang the door down? But like the reality is, is they kept getting there. They kept getting to the regional championship. They kept going. It was going to happen. And I, again, they just kept playing with it and they kept going. That wasn't that year. It was the fruits of the, of many years. Yep.
1: Yep. I remember them saying too, like, don't call us a Cinderella story because that's not what this is at all. You know, it's yeah. 100%. 100%. That's see. And I think it's cool too, that for you now that you're going to take over Texas smoke also in yes. the WPF, which is so exciting. I was so happy when I saw that news. And mm-hmm. now there's, there's even more history that you're making, right? It's like you are the first professional fast pitch softball coach to come from an HBCU. And obviously before Howard, like you mentioned earlier, you were an assistant for the Chicago bandits yes. too. And I know that you've said before many times that representing HBCUs on the highest stage was always the goal. Yeah. Why is that so important?
0: Because I I, I believe that I have a duty and a responsibility when I get on that. We got to get in the rooms. We got to get in these rooms. Um, And when I get in there, I can't settle and be content with me getting in there. Um, I then got to be able to reach my hand back and keep that door open, keep a crack open for the next one, Um, change the, the settings of it for the athletes, for the next coaches, for everybody. Right. I got a duty to also make get that room tidy. Um, Before they get in there um, and address what needs to address. And we cannot continue to be places and be on these platforms if we don't keep somebody in those rooms. Um, And if if that's what I'm called to do right now, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities. Um, And I'm going to continue to stand on like keeping that door cracked. Um, and being a part of the change, and so you know, I just think that it's it. It was my name right now, and it's going to be someone else's name. And I hope that they can follow and do it in their way, and authentic to themselves, obviously. Um, but it is important that we stay there, and we keep we keep somebody's got to keep trying to climb to get into the highest of rooms, um, so that we can we can come back and we can reach back and we can keep those doors open.
1: I think that's a good point. It's not just getting there; it's staying there. Yeah. Right. Like I, and I think that's for, for any type of thing where you're trying to have success in it. It's like getting, there's one thing, but then there, there's a whole other journey after that about staying there as well. And you know, you, the latest data I've seen, it says 3% of D1 coaches are black females. And yeah. then you think about how in the professional ranks that, you know, filters down even smaller. And so, yeah. yes, like what you're doing, you mentioned it, like your girls were representing more than just Howard. Like you're representing more than just Howard and just you. Right. And it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I I love that responsibility. And um, again, I, I, it comes with a lot, but it never feels like a burden. Um, It always feels like an opportunity.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, it's always interesting too, because I saw something like at the UCLA game with you all, there are t-shirts for HBCU night, there are social media stuff all over the yes. place. And it was really cool that it was so celebrated and not just by Howard fans, right? Like by UCLA and the community and just softball fans in general, just people loved UCLA it.
0: UCLA fans and alum were so amazing. I got so much love um, in my inbox and just seeing it on Twitter. And I know that for people, that's like a small thing, but it matters, right? Like, getting people involved and wanting to know more about HBCUs and celebrating it. That's how you grow the game. You can't keep growing the game in the same places and saying we're doing something. You know, like progress is like, you know, in the names of other athletes at these places that don't have the coverage and these opportunities and them just embracing the culture and allowing our girls, um, you know, to just feel that, you know, their director of ops. It was a moment with the autographs, just something you don't see. And she called security over. And, you know, our girls just felt like phenons and like, man, I want them to feel like that. Like they all deserve to feel like that. Um, and she did that, like reading that room that she knows that this isn't their regular. Um, she They created a little space for them to line up at Easton Stadium and had all those like young girls like looking at their autographs. Like, man, like I, I want that for them. I want them to feel that all the time. Uh, 'Cause they deserve it. And so it it meant the world to me. Something so small meant so much. Um, and I know that they felt amazing. And I mean, I, they they hit a wall. Like, you know when you get so excited when you're a kid? We went to In N Out after, and it was like they're like falling asleep in In and Out because you just it was such a high yeah. um, when you come down from that high. You know what I mean? Like, um, it was just amazing. Um, and I'm again they handled UCLA just handled it so perfect. Um, from everyone, from their grounds crew uh, to the staff working the field. And obviously, they're the best in the business, you know, uh, Kelly and Lisa and Kirk. And Kirk was a big advocate in putting that all together. It was just amazing.
1: Yeah. I also love that you you made sure. You came back to California. You're like, we're getting in and out. That's that's the celebration afterwards.
0: Yeah, right. It wasn't leaving. We started with in and out. We finished with in and out. It was the only
1: thing right. <laughs> <laughs> so in and out, you're eating in and out. I like it. Yes, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Well, and I think the thing that's that's cool and something that I think about too is we love to celebrate these things because it's so important. But ultimately, isn't the goal one day to where this is actually normalized? And it's Absolutely. not like not the regular experience yeah. for them. Like they'll actually get to experience this yeah. more often. Like is that's yeah. the hope? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think that like I see some people like why is it always gonna be like about race? Well, it has to be until it's normal. So like if you're tired of hearing about it, then do something to help normalize it, um, and then it stops. Because we're it's not like I take great pleasure and having to always go out of my way to like knock down a barrier. I'm not not tired. And, um, but you got to do what, what, what's called right. And what has to be done. And I absolutely hope that like, by the time Skyler's venturing through college, it won't be in softball. Um, but I, I get to see these stories and, and, and it's just normal. Like Gramlin state went to UCLA tonight, you know, like, I, I don't think people realize it's not normal because HBCUs don't have the money typically to be able to fund going to a random West Coast trip. Um, You know, and you know, you've seen Bethune-Cookman do it. And I think that speaks to Lynn Thompson, who is the AD there. He always, before having an investment in softball was cool, Lynn always knew it was. Um, And that was who I started with. That was my first ever AD when I was an assistant coach there. So they normalized it, but that isn't the story at most HBCUs. And so it is a big deal. To be able to afford to go out there and get to play a different style of softball and pace a softball um, that isn't normal to them. To be able to have that platform in a stadium with fans, it matters. And we have to make it matter. And for any West Coast teams that have seen that, like please reach out. And, and maybe now it becomes a trend that like you find a way to help get them out there if you have it in your budget to do that. Um, and it doesn't have to just be Howard. It could be anybody and you can reach out and they're and they get to experience what your girls normalize every day. That yeah. that, that That's the only way it happens. It's going to be a team effort. It's going to start with administrations, um, but it's going to talk. It's going to be two adults on both sides making it happen. Um and I, I give that advice to everybody, that every admin will say say yes if you annoy them enough about it. Um, and it, it's just got to be priority. And this was priority. I wanted my girls to get to California, and winning obviously helped that. Um, but I think that once our administration got to see how important that was, I think it just makes yeses a lot easier for now, the next HBCU or the next Power 5 school that wants to send somebody out that way.
1: Right, right. And it's like you, that's the point. That's what you said earlier. You want that to be, maybe if you're the one doing it first, great.
0: Yeah. But
1: it that pipeline is the point. Like you want yeah. that to keep happening. It's not just so that you can be first. You want it to be first of many yes. after that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting place you're in because it's so important. But like I said, I'm like, how do you balance the pressure, right? With the just enjoying it and embracing it. And you're like, well, that's what you have to do is enjoy it and embrace it. And I'm like, that makes (laughs) a lot of sense. Right. And as softball players, we learn that too. Right. In this game of failure that it's like, man, you better, you better just embrace the opportunities of what's in front of you because or else you might drive yourself a little bit crazy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) And then transitioning now to like back into the pro world, like with the Texas smoke. I mean, it's exciting too, because it's also just the brand new team, brand new organization, you know, so that's, you're starting from, you get to build something from scratch in that way, which is really cool. But you've mentioned too before how you feel like it's really important to help these women keep playing and keep their passion for the game. And I yeah. think because, you know, get going to pro, like college softball is special. We all know that. But when you get to pro, it's a little bit different. And so I think for you to have an emphasis on never forgetting that love of the game and, and keeping that passion also something that that's important as we hope that more and more women play longer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that when I look at my time with the bandits and, you know, I even look at like the success of AU and like, how can we do this? I think that when we're younger and I, and I talk to some of my friends that are still playing pro, cause again, I want to be a student and I don't want to go in there and say, I'm going to do this and this, and it's not even something they deem important. Um, but Having a sense of community was probably going to be top three on all of our list, right? Of having this group of women that even when they got on your last nerves, uh, going to war with them every day is what you remembered. And you remembered doing dumb stuff together. You remembered, you know what I mean, the hard stuff together. Um, And I I think to be able to do that, I, I, I feel like when you become a pro or when you get to that level the individualism kind of comes out, right? Cause now you're branding, you're a professional athlete, but I think being able to keep the essence of the kid like things that made us fall in love with softball is extremely important. Um, And so if I want to, I'm not, I'm not into cool stuff. You know, I hate the cool girl act. Um, I want to get corny, man. I want us to just be like a group of women being corny and, and, and reminding each other, of why we fell in love with this thing in the first place, and these kids—that's how you stay relatable. You're not relatable because you're just so good and above. Like you're relatable because you got passion, and they see—they um, see themselves in you. Um, so I want to keep this human, corny element. Um, this is my dream, right? This is my vision. Um, And and obviously there's an essence. What makes you a pro is you're making adjustments, right? And they're seeing you adjust and your approach and your swagger to your approach. Like, yeah, but like what keeps them in the stands is like this human element of you having a good time enjoying the same sport that they love. Um, And so I am going to wipe out the cool. We're going to get corny. We're gonna still do good softball, and I'm gonna let them be the best versions of themselves. And when you typically are that, you're gonna tap into this kid like element of you, right? Like, and you don't care what it looks like. And I, I want them to feel validated in themselves and confident in themselves to be able to tap into that. Um, that that's my goal, and and get them as much BP and continuing to grow. I do feel like I was so lucky with the bandits because I had like I was with the pitchers. Um, specifically, like I had Shelby Turnier, I had Ali Carta, um Alicia Ocasio and um, Haley Wagner, and it was just like you know, so many. There was more. Um, it just they wanted to keep growing, and like I was like surprised by that, and like you know, because when you first go in, you're like they're gonna they're gonna have fig- figured out Rachel Fico and everything, and not everybody needs the same thing, and that's me reading the room. But like, dude, they're still hungry to learn too, and that's why I love watching Carter's career. Right, she's continued to get better because yeah. she's continued to be a student. She never got to this point where it's like I figured it all out. Um, and so to be able to be a part of that and tap into those things, like I'm so excited. That's like my favorite part right now. Like, what I'm most excited about.
1: That's a really good point, Ali Carter. That example specifically, I did yeah. face her in college towards the end of my career, early her career, yeah. and that player that i saw then is completely different than the player that she is today for exactly I'm the crazy. reason that you just said yeah absolutely she's unreal yeah it's unreal the like olympics watching her do what she did in tokyo was amazing didn't
0: you feel personally invested in that a little bit too
1: yeah like course. i i cried watching
0: ali get to be in that moment um, because of that reason is that she kept this always at a human basis. And what made Ali a pro was her discipline and how she took care of her body and her approach, but she was always a student. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think those are the things I wish these like girls could see, um, that their secret sauce is they keep getting better. They keep yeah. growing. They keep evolving.
1: Yeah. It's a really good point. Yeah. It's a really good point. I was chatting with Cindy Ball Malone recently and mm-hmm. she was talking about how when she was a player, when Heather Tar was her assistant coach when she played at Pacific versus yeah. later when she coached with Heather Tar, like as an assistant at Washington with USA and stuff, she's like, wait, Heather, you didn't do that stuff for us when I played. Why are you, why are you doing it now? And she's like, am I not allowed to grow and, and develop too as a coach? <laughs> and it was like, that. okay, yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> you know, cause that's true like too that. on the other side of it as a coach. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love yeah. that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's right. But I think the, the exposure to piece for, for pro softball, because it's, you know, we see the World Series every year the, and the NCAA tournament and all this stuff, and it does get more and more coverage, which is wonderful. And even during the, the regular season, there's more coverage than there used to be. But in terms of pro softball getting more attention, I would imagine that that's something that's, you know, on your list of things that you're hoping yeah. to nurture. Now that you're going to be in this role.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's going to, you know, I I think that we have, especially with smoke and I just think Lauren Chamberlain's vision for the league in general, it matters, right? As someone that went through there is still making that priority. And I think the first thing we got to do is we got to, for me, um, you got to make it where this is a space that the athletes feel like they can thrive in um, because that's going to help your product once it gets out there. You know what I'm saying? And I think that they're doing a really good job of setting that foundation um, and working on those things. So then once we get to those points where you're making big time TV deals, uh, whatever that's going to look like, your 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 product is as it needs to be so that you, again, not only make it to TV, you keep it on TV because it's something that people want and they look forward to.
1: Right. Right. Well, and it's... It's something where for me, when I look at coaches, the more and more I've talked to them over the years, I'm like, it seems like you're really the CEO of whatever organization you're a part of, which means you're not just teaching softball. You're, you know, you're also managing a lot of things like exposure, like schedules. Like you're saying, you you set a schedule that was stronger on purpose for Howard yeah. this year. And you're also, not only are you dealing with the personnel that is your players, but also your staff. And th- there are yeah. just so many different pieces to the puzzle of how to be the head coach somewhere. Yeah. How do, how do you, how do you do it?
0: <laughs> um, I, that is a tough question. Cause I don't know how, um, <laughs> because you're absolutely right. There, there's so many elements and it's not just like this cookie quarter, cutter job. Um, every decision matters. Um, and you know, is this, whether it's exposure recognition, um, but then working on your product. Right. And so I feel like, the first couple years, my focus had to be on like, just, we need, they needed to learn the game. And so mm-hmm. it was a lot of inside job. And I didn't do as much in trying to get us out there publicly because you got to be ready to put a good product out um, once you do have the platform. Um, so I think with everything, you know, for me, there's, there's levels. And when I feel like I need to get back in the lab with them a little bit deeper, get out of the way, then I do. I'm um, annoying, knowing time and place and reading that room and what it looks like. And so, um, I don't know. And I, I, trying to keep people around me. I got an excellent manager, John, that, that have the vision. Uh, you know, you're only as strong as the people around you. And at Howard, we only got one full-time assistant. Um, so I, I, this, this year has been the most hope that I've had, uh, with sharing the vision, you know, with the pro league, they've got an excellent PR team and everything in place. And so it'll actually be a place where I can just manage, um, essentially. And, and that'll be cool. But, I mean, Howard has prepped me for all. Like, I when you don't have these things in place, you realize the importance of them of like social media. So this year that was on my thing that I was gonna get us out there our graphics, our pictures, telling the story of our program better and making that a priority, um, in running that. And it's not that I wanna be a dictator, but this is my baby, man. And I wanna I wanna I wanna up it. So you know, like I wanted to up it and now I want another HBCU to try to look better than us and sell their story better. And then before you know it, we're all getting that kind of recognition and we're all making the NCAA page and telling our stories and using our graphic team and holding them accountable to tell our stories. Um, You know, I think it's amazing. And and that's how you change the bar. And so I think it's about acknowledging where your program is at and what are like the things that, that have to happen. And that changes. And I do that You know, every couple months, because if I need to pivot from this, and this is as important as this, then I gotta pivot. You know, whether it's logistics, whether it's um, social media, whatever it is, right? Um, Just making the main thing the main thing at the moment and doing what the moment calls for. Um, It's the only way. And I, again, I I have had to be intentional about taking time for me because, as you can hear, this this will take the life out of you if you if you let (laughs) it. Um, And I'm really I'm really big on trying to even nurture myself because I'm only, if, if I'm not in a good space, I can't do any of these things. Um, right. And what makes me feel good is being able to be a present mom. And so sometimes decisions are made that I, I choose being a mom before I choose being a coach. Cause then when I come back into coach world, I'm in a better space for it. Um, and, and that matters, right? And I think that Rhonda Revelle always did a great job of that in showing me whether it was her cycling class, whether it was her reading books and getting into her safe space um, it helped me substantially um, in, in knowing that I need something that I get away to um, right. so that I can be the best version of myself for all of the duties that this job calls for.
1: Yeah. And Rhonda's awesome. I had her on the show last year, and she's just amazing, like a pillar of collegiate oh, yeah. softball in the community. And yes. it's awesome. I know we've talked about, too, how you've kind of brought in the past that Power Five experience from Nebraska. You talked about it a little bit today, too to that knowledge, to what you're doing now at Howard and what you're going to do with the smoke as well. Yeah. And I would just ask you, how else has Rhonda influenced you? Because it's, it seems yeah. very cool from the outside looking in.
0: Yeah, she's just a leader of women and she does it in her own way. And um, r and is a special woman. And um, I, I watched the things she stood for and stood on um, and how she went about it and rallied women together and um, definitely got that same energy from her and, you know, just trying to be righteous and doing what's right, obviously, in the most Tory way. Um, I don't <laughs> want anyone to think that the way I go about it was a reflection of uh, of Cultureville, but doing something about it is a reflection of Cultureville. Um yeah. I will say that. And um, just her being in my corner. And knowing that she's going to back me and she backed me when I was the worst version of myself. So I feel very confident that if I'm doing things and leading with the right way and with my heart, I'm going to have her backing and I'm going to have her blessing. And that's everything to me.
1: Yeah. That's just really special. I think for coaches too, the way that they express seeing former players who then go on to coach is that it's incredibly special for them. you know. And for you, as you start to see more and more players that you've coached, Move on to whatever it is. It doesn't have to be softball. It doesn't have to be coaching. It could be anything, but just to see them move on in their lives, like, what does that mean to you?
0: Everything. I I could cry. Like you know, I got uh, the first picture I had um, at uh, Howard. She's at Gardner Webb this year, and you know, like letting them shine and do their thing and whatever level they go coach at, um, being there. And you know, I'm at Howard, so a lot of my girls are going to go get like big time jobs. But I love them coming back and telling me stories about lessons they're picking up and stuff like that. It it, it is amazing because that's got to be your goal as a college coach, and you're not going to win with everybody. But I want anyone that comes to this program to feel like they have a home um, to come back to. And again, that doesn't always happen, but that's the goal for me. I don't want anyone to leave here and have this sour taste towards softball, something you did your whole life. Um, You got to work pretty hard to not have an open-door policy here. You know, like, it, you had to go out of your way um, because I want them to continue to serve this sport, even if it's, a, like I said, something as light as doing lessons because they go on to get, like, big corporate jobs. Like, I'm never going to block that, but uh, watching them share that. De la Roca was um, in California and just so invested and was telling me about her lessons and so, like, asking me questions about the freshman pitchers and giving her two cents and her advice, and I'm like, man... Oh, it made my eyes water i'm like look at her you know like she has a home a home she can go back to and she has a reason to continue to serve the sport um and that's the end goal for me like you know that that it is it's amazing and i can only imagine what coach Ravel feels um when she watch watches you know the fruits of her labor at all these different universities and watching our successes and our failures and I know she's so proud, but like now that I'm experiencing it on my own, I could only imagine um, what she's feeling.
1: Yeah. How do you hope to translate that to the pro side moving
0: forward? Um, the same thing. Like, I think that I have a duty to be a light for them and I want them to leave for the summer and want to continue to feed themselves and fuel themselves and fuel others, you know, with, with energy and excitement behind the sport and new things that they picked up. And, um, and I want us to continue. I want this to be a forever bond. I don't want this to be just like a, a three month thing that I got this gig and then we just dipped out. Like I want us to continue to be resources to each other. And if I'm a small part of their journey of like continuing to help their pro career and or their coaching career and or the kind of mentor they are and or the kind of mother they are. Um, I want to be all of those things. Right.
1: Right. And I feel like you're someone who's so interesting too, because I feel like you've had a long journey. Like you've had a lot of stuff going on in life, right? But I feel like your journey is also just getting started in a lot of ways. So it's it's like that weird in between, you know yeah. what I mean? But- oh, I feel it. Yeah, you're like, uh, you're, yeah, please, preach to the choir here. Um, how do you think you go – where do you go from here? Not just as a coach, but as a person, too. Like, how? where do you go now, moving forward? Ooh,
0: that was a good question, Jenna. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly where I go, but wherever I go, I, I want to do it authentically. And I want to mm-hmm. continue to feel that in my soul, um, that I'm living in my purpose. I'm going to always follow where my purpose leads me. Um, and I wanna go there with passion and um, myself. I wanna enter every room as Tori Tyson and leave as Tori Tyson. So keeping that passion in place um, is, is gonna be a go, is, wherever I go, that's what it's gonna look like. Um, I'm gonna be where my purpose is and I am going to be doing it in the most authentic way possible, um, wherever that leads me. And you know, I started my career on a checklist of like, become a head coach before Skylar starts school, uh, do this, do this, climb this ladder so that you can become a head coach. And, um, man, it feels good to just actually say, I will be for my purposes. Um, and I can find peace in that, in wherever that is and whatever that looks like. Um, I know it will come because it's happened before, you know, uh, when it, when I was sending out all those emails and just trying to get in the door um, I, I went through the hard of it. Um, and it, trust me, it still deals with the hard right now of like feeling like you're overlooked, underseen, you know, like under offered, underappreciated. Um, you, I still feel those things regardless, but it does hit different um, because I'm in my purpose regardless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I I can't tell you where it's at. I can tell you what it's going to look like at all times.
1: Yeah. See, I love that. I mean, authenticity for me is like one of my top values, which is probably why I like talking to you so much and why I've had you on so many times. <laughs> because that's what I like. So yeah, that's why this works with us. I mean, I want to keep talking to you forever, honestly, I, and I would and I know we probably could if we tried. But <laughs> I would say too, like before we we wrap up, like anything else about your coaching journey or perspective or just anything that you want to share that you're like, you know what? I think it would be helpful for people to know this.
0: Yeah. That it never stops being easier. Um, It never gets easier. Um, You just start learning how to deal with hard better um, Mm. and embracing it. Um, And I think that that's really important to know. Um, And that living in your, your purpose isn't going to come, isn't going to not come with exhausted nights. Um, you know what I mean? It doesn't come right. with its fair share of like hard emotions and things to deal with. Um, and, I, and I think that that's what you have to be on a hunt for and your opportunities in this sport is not for, for easy, but somewhere that makes you want to do the hard and makes mm. it okay to do the hard. And um, you know, for me, I think that we our ego will tell us that, you know, like, and I, and I hear it right. Like when you go and you coach at these places, you're like wow i left and look what happened i think true greatness is when you can leave a place and it continue to soar um mm-hmm. and i'm so grateful for the places i've left and knowing that like even if i had the smallest part in the turnaround of it like that i want that to continue to go that where i went continued to go and the grass stayed green um i i love watching cal State Fullerton win man like you know i I went there we won those two championships, and Kelly Ford has just continued to take it to the next level um from Dallas to Danny O'Toole and they've all continued to go and like I love that like I'm like, yeah. man, like that ship is started to turn and it's continued to and like I'm always cheering for them I'm loving watching Maryland turn around and the girls and the culture and they're all wanting I'm loving it and then knowing that I was even in the smallest part and I say that to say that like you don't know where your purpose is going to lead you but like a true testament is like every leaving every room better than you found it is also being okay with that room being okay when you're gone yeah. and actually cheering for that right like rooting for the success of that um that's 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 when you really like that like i don't want it to be where it was where it was way it was shady and when i left it got dark like nah keep winning keep winning Um, And I think that that has to be important as you go in in this and you're going in for the right reasons um, and continuing to be about the right things, right? Even when that no longer includes you.
1: Mm. That feels like that serving piece that you're talking about, right? Like you are serving. You're not just, it's not just about what you can do for you or whatever. It's you're serving other people, the sport as a whole, all of those things. It also sounds like what it takes to be a good parent, where you're like, I, you know, you. <laughs> I'm gonna raise Skyler the best I can, but then like I need, I want her, hopefully, right, to be set up for yeah. success for the rest of her life as she's yes. an adult.
0: Yes, so. I, I, all I want to do, and like I really tell people this is like, I'm not gonna mess it up, dude. I'm gonna put her in the best case situation and um as I can, and um she won't be able to look back. I, I, I'll be dang if she'll be able to look back and be like, her mom did put her in a position to win. And not winning on the court in life. Um, I'm going to continue to put her around people in places, right, that she can shine in um, and and be at peace with that. You know what I mean after? And I got a little bit of helicopter mom in me, too. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I'll probably be around for a while.
1: Well, you know... (laughs) But you know what? It's, it's also, it's cause you care about it. You talked about how your program and like Howard, but also Texas smoke will be this way. It's your baby. Well, yeah. Skylar's your actual baby, you know? Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> That's my girl. That's my girl. And she's been here through it all. And if there's any last thing is like mothers, like stop waiting on the right moment. Um, when you're called to be a mom, embrace it. And these kids are stronger than us. So don't use them as your excuse. Um, they're actually more flexible than us. They're stronger than us. Um, they have no set schedule. So if their normal is the normal that you have to create, um, so that you can dive in and serve this sport, then do it. Um, yeah, that like please, 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 please. Um, I want to normalize that as well um, on the professional level, as players, as coaches. Um, We weren't put in a position to birth women because we're weak. That's for sure. Um, We Mm. can do all things. um, And we're actually not even human. I think women are like so beyond that. Um, So don't like, you know what I mean? Make yourself this mere little mortal. You can do all of it. And you will do all of it. um, And just take advantage of your village. Because on on our darkest days, man, my village is top notch. I put my village up against anybody's village. I, I mean that. My village versus anybody's village. Um, me and Skyler's village is is unreal, and so get a village and get people around you um, for the hard.
1: Yeah, well said. Very well said. And now that I guess we have to wrap up. <laughs> oh, I'll play the same game with you that we played last time. Let's see if you you remember the basics. But it's safer out, so I'll bring something up. If you like it, you agree with it. You call it safe. If not, you call it out. Oh, I don't know if I remember this one. Let's okay, go. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first time you came on, we didn't do this yet, but then uh-uh. second time. All right. So the first one is coaches padding schedules. Safer out.
0: Padding schedules. And when you're saying this, you're meaning like getting teams like guaranteed wins or so they think stuff like that. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's tough, right? I think, in a sense, you got to say yes because if you say out, you got to say safe because if you say out, it's going to take away opportunities for some of these mid majors or the Howards, like myself, to get in the building um, mm-hmm. and get those opportunities. And, um, you know, I get it. They're trying to make playoffs and, you know, ball don't lie. So I don't think anybody gets hurt by it, you know, except them. So safe.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> here you are, you've had such a strong schedule this season, right? But to yeah. your point, yes, it's like, you, you it's also about building confidence too, like for your yeah. team as well to get there. So like, yeah, that's one of those tight ropes that coaches have to walk, I feel.
0: And like I said, I did that this year because yeah. I knew that my culture could handle it, right? Like my freshmen right. want to win the next time they're at a regional. My culture three years ago couldn't.
1: Yeah. So it's knowing your, yourself as well. And Absolutely. So safe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Um, okay. Second one is pitchers and catchers not calling pitches, like the coaches being the ones who call pitches. Safe or Safe. Out?
0: And I'm so glad you asked me this. Listen, for everybody on social media talking about their preference, I am a single mom. Ain't no way the 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 livelihood of Skyler getting paid is going to be because Twitter wants to see that they're right pitcher and catcher. Yes. Right. You mm-hmm. got a catcher that just takes great passion and reading hitters. And here's the reality, the way that I do it. And I can't say this. I don't call a specific pitch. I'm going off of effective velocity. So I give where I where you can flip the power. So this is why I'm saying safe is I am telling you that I want to see a change in speed, not using the change up, right? Changing the speed, using effective velocity, but they have the power to throw whatever pitch they want to that location. Whether mm. that's going to be their fastball, their screwball, their rise ball, right? If I'm saying I want something that's in the up and in region so that we can open it up to their change up or their out. Um, and knowing effective velocity and doing all of that. Um, calling pitches is an art. Look at Lonnie. Oh What? I'm going for Lonnie. I ain't letting no catcher call my game. Lonnie calling my game. Like, get (laughs) out of here. Save. You you get Lonnie Alameda behind the dish that can do that and takes pride in it and is studying swings and isn't in her feelings because she struck out um, and can get back in there, then do it. And I think you get to a point where your pitcher and catcher have a rapport. Like, I think of people that play together for a long time. There was a Sophia Frost and a Julia Valenzuela at um, Cal State Fullerton. They're together five years. Go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. I just don't think that that's for everybody. That's crazy to to be like, we want to see it. So risk your livelihood. Nah, 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 nah. (laughs) Safe. And I think you can empower them. Like, I like the way that I do it because it still gives them ownership. I am merely telling you, this is the speed change we're going for. So that, right. you know, and they know that it's for the, a plan of the next pitch.
1: I think that's a really good way. Like, that's a really key thing, though. You're right. It is a balance, the way that you approach it. Because some it, it had has felt a little bit like one extreme or the other. Either the coach has full control or either yeah. just the pitchers and catchers are doing this on their own. And
0: yeah. maybe it
1: doesn't have to be, to your point. Like, you, you have that sort of more middle ground, which is yeah. definitely it, interesting.
0: Yeah, I let yeah. them know that I am going off of Evie. And um, they have the power to throw whatever pitch in that that's that area. Um, and mm-hmm. so that is between the pitcher and the catcher to dictate what right. they think will get
1: that done. Right, right.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, so there. Hey, let's mix that in, Twitter,
1: and your <laughs> thoughts on that. But I'm calling safe. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. All right, the next one, I think I might have asked you this last time, but, you know, it's been a year, so we'll, we'll run it back. NIL, safer out. Safe,
0: Safe, 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 safe. Let people make money off their name. It hasn't changed anything. Softball still softball. Um, these girls are just getting paid and getting more publicity for it. I don't think it's changed the integrity of our sport. Um, you know, and obviously, and I'm saying this as somebody at a small school, like NIL isn't limited. Like we got to work a little bit harder here, right? We don't have like an NIL building like some people are getting, right? Like they got an NIL office. But yeah. our girls can make money too and they can get out there. And I think it's made a, you know, if you're a hustler, you're going to find a way. And I think you're also finding some people are like, that are in these bigger schools are like, I don't even really want to be involved in it anymore. Like, I want to focus back. Nobody was forcing anybody either way. Mm. And I think that giving people the power of choice, you want people to call their own pitches. Well, let them have, let them have a choice to yeah. make money.
1: Yeah. Because we're all about, yeah.
0: you know, free control, you
1: know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It is a choice. That's still, you're just allowed to now, but it's a choice still. Yeah. yeah.
0: Not everybody's, my girls know they can do it. They're not beating down the door. And I want to say that, like, that's why I'd be saying with the package deal and everything, everybody looks like, man, people who be getting that money and doing that, that's a job. They be mm-hmm. hustling, that's investment, that's time, that's appearances. Not everybody's built for that. So don't you worry. A lot of people are not going to be touching that kind of cash because they are not about to be investing that kind of energy. Right. I look at Jen ain't never, there'll never be a package deal. Tori Tyson. I could (laughs) never in like just, woo. it's a lot be on the road, be on the plane doing a lot. And so I think you look at these athletes that are really tapping into that. That is a lot to do that and still be at the best for your game. That's not for everybody. And so we don't, I just felt like we gave that a lot more power than it really had.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, last one is bat flips. Safer out.
0: Uh, gosh. I hate to be all safe here, but man, safe again. <laughs> safe again. Because the only person that has to deal with the repercussion of an obnoxious bat flip is the batter. So what is it to us? They're the ones that got to bounce back. And I <laughs> again, in pictures, if you don't want a bat flip... Don't, you know, don't throw a fatty. And if wow. you do, what an, what an opportunity. Isn't that what the game is about? Right? Like here's, here's my issue with that. People calling out on bat flips. Why do you only want to see women sad? We love seeing women miss the final shot. We love watching them cry in the dugout. Then get mad. Like I tell my girls, as much drama you give me when you're doing bad, can I get a bat flip when you do like, when you execute, Why does the execution got to be so quiet and humble, but the failure got to be so big and loud and we want to post that picture. It's weird, weird energy. Bat flip, go crazy. Like, especially if we're going to always show
1: the saddest part of our game. Yeah, that is really interesting because I'm thinking back to like, you know, all those postseason moments where you see the team celebrating, they'll show it, but then they'll pan over to the losing team a lot. Like, you're right. I hadn't really thought about that, but that is interesting.
0: The obsession with seeing women sad is crazy.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, I'm I'm never sad after talking with you. So at least there's that. And I hope you feel the same way because this is great as usual. Um, I love, I, we'll just make this a yearly thing. I'll just Please. go ahead and put that in the atmosphere right now.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I love it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Like I said, I always feel more motivated after talking to Tori. And I hope you feel that way too, because- It's like I could be in a rut or feel rushed or just a little bit off, and her energy helps pull me out of it. And I think that takes a lot. Like Those are the people that we have to check on and look out for and really give credit to. So I'm just glad that this show can be a source for that. And with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about letting yourself feel it. This is something that always comes to mind when I talk to Tori. It's her ability to let herself feel And you heard me ask her today, you know, how do you manage the emotions and like the mental strain, the pressure while also staying focused? And she talked about how for her, the key is embracing it. And I don't know if I've historically been very good at that. It doesn't come naturally to me to sit in my feelings. You know, feelings are hard. There's usually this tendency to resist or block it out or push it aside. And I think a lot of us are like that. Sometimes maybe there's a place for that in the short term, like if you're just trying to get through one small window, but not in the long run. You know, Tori lets herself embrace the situation, whether it's the positive pressure of making history at UCLA or the difficulties of having less resources. And she feels it and she turns it into fuel. And I don't think it's the distracting fuel where it's like too much and you're overwhelmed. I think it's the fuel that just gets you focused and keeps you going. So just reframing how you think about it, like she said, it isn't easy at all, but it does make a huge difference. And she even said it about her playing days, you know, she's hitting against Kalani Ricketts in college. And instead of being worried about striking out, she's like, all right, well, I'll be damned if I don't get to take my hacks. You know, what an opportunity to do something big. And that takes bravery to do that. It's like she lets herself feel big. And that eventually pays off into doing big things. I don't know if you can really do that if you don't let yourself embrace the moment. You'll have more fun as well, and there are better memories that come out of it too. So it's worth it. So that's it. Let yourself feel it. That's the Foul Tip of the Week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of Believe Network, and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com and on YouTube too. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, and if you liked it, write a review follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can reach out to me personally on Twitter at Jenna one and Instagram at Jenna Becerra, as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts That's stamps.com code program you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel